0: We Daily for the Women's T20 World Cup Final of 2023. Jeff Lemon and Barrett Sundaresen. We may look a little like we've been imprisoned if you're watching the video version of this up against a white wall, but uh, it's because we're in a hotel in the city of Indore next to a highway. It's nighttime. There's nowhere to shoot this video that will look any better than where we are. So forgive the echoes, but I'm going to try to give you the entire match in the space of 30 seconds. Uh, Australia bat first. Ash Gardner at number three makes a quick 29. Nobody else can score that quickly, though. A runner ball thereabouts. Wickets keep falling throughout. The South Africans are in the game, but Beth Mooney bats through an innings as she does and then branches out at the end. Uh, Hits boundaries in the last couple of overs. Gets her score up to 74, not out. Australia to 156. And South Africa to start too slowly in the chase. There is a great partnership between Laura Wolfert and Chloe Tryon through the middle. They put on 55 in quick time, but that slow start and then the pressure is on once those two get out there's too much to do for everybody else 19 runs the margin in the end and australia win their one billionth women's world cup title across 20 and 50 over cricket
1: yeah i mean is there even any point in keeping count of how many world cups australia have won uh, and especially once that game finishes uh, i just couldn't get over the australian women coming together and celebrating how often have we seen that clip uh, play out. Uh, it, it's it's this just how World Cups end when you talk about women's cricket. I'm going to actually ask uh, Mitchell Stark tomorrow when we meet him at the Holker Stadium uh, for a press conference. It'll be about the men's cricket team and what they're going to do with the third test. But I'm going to ask him why, where they store all these World Cup medals. Yeah. I mean, between him and Alicia Haley, but especially Alicia Haley's World Cup medal. Every time she leaves home, she comes back with a World Cup medal or so, it <laughs> feels <laughs> like. Uh, look, uh, it's... Going to be so difficult to dethrone the Australians or to stop this juggernaut. And today was another, or tonight was another great example of uh, them just finding ways of uh, not just coming back into games, but also finding ways of dominating periods of play where the opposition's trying to come back and trying to put on a
0: counter attack. They just shut them down. And
1: in the end, pretty comprehensive
0: victory. But the thing is, though, this isn't a perfect Australian team at the moment or the way they played in the semi-final and the way they played tonight there there are points in time where you think this other team is matching it, it it's it's, matching this Australian team particularly when the South Africans are bowling there's there's that period with uh, bowling left arm spin around the wicket and darting them through Marazankat bowls well Shabnam Ismail uh, does her part they're keeping the run scoring down, they're picking off wickets at regular times. Elisa Healy opening up top, she can't get going it faster than a runner ball, she's out for 18. Uh, Gardner comes in at 3 as I said and she smokes that lovely straight drive 6 down the ground and and it looks like she's going to blow the game open but they get her for 29 as a a really good catch down the ground, an even better catch, the one that dismisses Meg Lanning later in the game when she plays the pull shot out there. And Australia getting funky with their batting order, they send Gardner up, they send Harris up after that Australia McGrath ends up coming in at number nine and facing one delivery, uh, which, which seems sort of absurd given the power that she's got. So, and there's just that last over where things get away from them, where Mooney hits a six and a four. And even at that point, you know, a couple of wickets fall off the uh, the, the third last and second last deliveries. Uh, Ismail's in the hunt for a, a hat oh, yeah. trick at that point, um, doesn't quite finish it off. But 156, you think, well, that is. Chaseable. I mean, South Africa haven't chased a score that big against Australia before, but if there's ever a time to do it, this might be it. And yet there's something about the whether it's the aura of this Australian team, whatever it was, the way the openers came out for South Africa and, and faced up with Tasman Brits and, and Laura Wolvart, they just couldn't get going in their first five over 17 runs and then the wicket of Brits at the end of the fifth over and they just kept hitting straight to the field. They couldn't go over the top in the power play and it felt like that was more a South African issue between the years than it was the fact that Australia were bowling brilliantly and then you might you have been close to Australia at points but there is a point where they will pull away.
1: We spoke about this in the semi-final, when India, especially Harmanpreet Kaur and Jamima, went after the Australians. It was fresh, it was a refreshing approach to trying to bring down this Australian team. But the South Africans, like so many teams who face this almighty Australian team, just go in there with an expectation, not to lose, but with almost, a uh, it's based more on hope. Like, we hope that things go our way. And we wish we win against this Australian team. I mean, I'm not saying they'll say it in those words, but you can see that in their approach. You're right. I mean, six overs... Power play, they won 22 runs on the board. You're never going to chase down 157 after that kind of start. I mean, a lot of gives them a great opportunity in the middle overs. They make 39 runs in three overs. But even at that point, you know that Australia will fight back. It'll take one Jess Jonathan over. Or Darcy Brown will come back and bowl a bouncer and get a wicket. Much like their batting. I remember uh, we watched this game, by the way, in a a bar here in indoor with a live band on, (laughs) which is kind of... Interesting, uh, playing Hindi music, and uh, there was this point in the 16th or of uh, or the 17th hour of Australia's innings where I tapped uh, Jeff on the shoulder and said, "Well, wait, Beth Mooney is still batting and she's still not got to 50 because she's not scoring a run a ball, but her strike rate was still in the hundred and tens, which is unlike her." We spoke about how she goes from one gear to the other better than any other batter, man or woman in world cricket but she wasn't allowed to do that and like you said it was only in that last over six and four of the first uh, two balls that take Australia to 150 and just beyond 150 so even on a night when Beth Mooney the great Beth Mooney wasn't uh, didn't seem always at her best Australia just still find a way of winning
0: But she ends up doing it. You know, she ends up 74 off 53 balls. So she ends up with the kind of innings that you expect from her. Her record in big finals, by the way, um, winning half centuries in the T20 World Cup final in 2020, the Commonwealth Games final, the last 50 over World Cup final, and this one, not to mention the big bash titles that she's won with big innings, uh, particularly up the top for the Brisbane Heat. So she just delivers in big games. And while she was still there, it didn't necessarily matter that others came and went. So Grace Harris comes and makes 10 and... uh, bashes a four down the ground and gives herself a big <laughs> fist pump and then misses a, a, a fast straight one from Malaba around the wicket, darts one through and, and ends up bowling her. You know, there's that in, incredible catch um, by Chloe Tryon off Marathon Cup when Meg Lanning pulls one, nails it, gets most of it out to deep square leg, but Tryon comes diving in and, and takes that catch. And then this this funny bug as they're playing with the batting order where Gardner comes in, then Harris, mm. but then Lanning and then Perry and then Wareham. So I mean I, I got the thing of put your uh, you know put your hitters up the order because you want to put pressure on South Africa, even though they haven't been doing that previously in the tournament. Fine. If you're gonna do that though, after Harris surely Talia McGrath comes in next. I mean, she strikes at 140 plus in this format, um, and and Lanning and Perry are more your stroke players. It was because they still had Mooney in, they were like, okay, Mooney can anchor, others can hit around her. But if you're going to do that, go all the way, put McGrath in, and then put Wareham in after McGrath. But I, I don't know why Georgia Wareham came in before. She can hit a very long ball, but she's less likely to reliably come off than a player of McGrath's calibre. But anyway, it, it doesn't particularly matter in the end. She ends up one not out. But it is that starting point. And we're big fans of Laura Wolf on this show. We love the way that like just watching her bat is a, is a, a style class in itself. Um, she did a great interview with us. If you scroll back down the feed, you'll find the, the final word interview with her from when Adam and I were in England last year. But... Um, but it's the speed at which she gets off the mark and it's that allied with Tasman Brits who's, who's got a habit of doing this. I mean, she was opening with Annika Bosch in the Commonwealth Games last year and they were often, the opening partnership might make some runs, but they would struggle to go up faster than a run a ball. She's at exactly a strike rate of 100 in her T20 career. She's played a lot in the last couple of years and she kept finding the field and Wolvard kept finding the field. So I, I'm a bit divided because later, Wolvart flourishes and this, this gorgeous innings, the two big straight sixes down the ground. She picks off the free hit from Talia McGrath and clubs that over deep mid wicket. Um, and she's trying to catch up, but it's, it's that collectively with her opening partner, she let Australia get too far ahead after those first six overs.
1: It was a slow pitch. Uh, you saw that in the Australian innings as well. The number of times they kept finding the fielders, even Beth Mooney, before the last late flourish in the last couple of overs. So uh, I thought the South Africans did really well with the ball by pulling their length back. The Australians, funnily enough, were fuller. Uh, a lot of the seamers, even um, Megan should natural length is to bowl much fuller than uh, many others. But she, uh, the others as well kept going full. Darcy Brown, when she wasn't very short, she was going really full. And that's what really allowed the South Africans to well, almost stage a comeback of yeah. sorts, when those three overs that I keep mentioning where they scored 39 runs. Uh, Tryon uh, hits a boundary. Uh, and picks off two boundaries in fact and then Wolfart hit those two sixes like you said uh, and just like in the semi-final it's the Talia-Megra Georgia-Awareham partnership with the ball not working out where the opposition are led back into the game Uh, But then you have so many other options. And for once, Darcy Brown comes back. And I remember calling it. I said, ah, this is where Darcy Brown comes back, Mairi South Australian, and she'll shut the game off. But she actually concedes two boundaries in that over. Mm. And uh, you think that "Mm, maybe South Africa are on to something. But by then, the required run rate's nearing 10 or just gone past 10. So whatever they do in those three overs, it's not good enough. They're playing catch-up from too far behind.
0: And it was just this clever use of the pitch. So it was the same surface that was used for the semi-final in Cape Town. And the Australians worked out whether this was ahead of time or they worked it out during the innings or perhaps even while they were batting. they figured out what to do, particularly with their spinners, which was jam it into the pitch as hard as you could, um, bowl it in at the leg stump with some angle if possible and then have the field out set for that. I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating, but it felt to me watching it like 20 balls in that 120 were swept or pulled out to Elise Perry at deep square leg. And Elise Perry was everywhere, by the way, so occasionally she'd be at long on, sometimes she was at mid-wicket. But particularly for the spinners, she was out at deep square leg, just backward of square. And every time, I mean, so you had Ash Gardner bowling her off breaks um, over the wicket and you had Jess Johnson left arm bowling over the wicket and they were both bowling a little short of a length in at the hip basically tucking up the South Africans and giving them no room. And every time, no matter who was on strike, the South African batters were going, stepping away to leg a little bit and being cramped and just pulling it, squeezing it out to that fielder, conceding one run every time there was a single that was a win for Australia Um, and at no point did somebody decide to go towards the offside and try to get some room to hit that ball finer um, or jump away further I mean they couldn't really jump away further the leg because that ball was going so far down leg side but you know had they been staying in their position or taking guard a little bit further towards the offside then they might have been getting wides down the leg so they weren't able to adapt to what the Australians were doing but it was such a deliberate plan and we saw Gardner particularly really spearing the ball through as quickly as she could and and getting it to turn as well because she was giving it a rev but driving it into that surface and getting it to, to turn into the hip. There was just no room to hit that ball.
1: Uh, they had three fielders, infielders on the offside and nobody on the boundary throughout. I think one ball got away where maybe just Jonathan missed her line slightly. But otherwise, like Jeff said, everything was just uh, being helped along. And it wasn't just a case of them not trying to make room and hit if not over cover, then try to hit it over mid-off. A couple attempted it towards the end of the innings, but by then the game had slipped away. But even when they were trying to pull it towards the onside, very rarely did anyone attempt to give it the whole heave-ho and try to clear Elise Perry or one of those boundary riders. That's why nobody was caught in that direction either but they didn't score too many boundaries in that direction either. And uh, early on, the first two boundaries for South Africa came via misfields from the Australians. So I uh, wonder where they would have been without those two
0: misfields. Well, yeah, exactly. There, were, there was that straight drive that was misfielded at mid on from Wolvard and there was the one at short fine legs. So both of those should have been singles and ended up getting away to the boundary. And, and even Megan Shute was almost bowling spin at times. She was rolling the ball out a little bit. Talia McGrath tried the back of the hand one. Um, I mean, the the, the players who actually bowled their four overs being Shoot, Brown and and Jonathan, one for 25, one for 20, one for 23. When you've got three, you know, you you, you can afford to let one opposition bowler get through their four overs inexpensively if they're the main threat, you know, Rashid Khan style, you just sit on that particular bowler. But if you've got three of them doing it, then you're going to struggle to win many games of 20-over cricket.
1: Eventually, uh, Australia were left with so many options to get that 20th over through. And they could have gone back to Jess Jonathan because unlike in the semi-final, she bowled the 18th over and not the 19th over here. Uh, but they had Ash Gardner uh, waiting to bowl that over. And look, she ended up as the player of the tournament as well. So it was only apt that she finished off the game. She hit some a brilliant six earlier on in the day as well. I love the swing of her bat. You can just sit back and watch Ash Gardner bat all day or strike... B- I I would love to see her on a golf course. She just has, like, the perfect swing that you need to clear the fence or hit any ball a long, long way. But, yeah, with the ball, Australia was just disciplined. Uh, And and even uh, Megan Megan Shoot, the, the ball she bowled to get rid of the dangerous Laura. Full fart, like she gets driven for four, but she sticks to her length, but this one she just goes slightly wider so it angles in late, and this time Laura tries to hit it across the line, misses it, and gets LBW, and you knew at that point that was pretty much the game, Tryon hits a six right after that, but by then, you know, it was, it was Laura or Bust for South Africa, uh, and even maybe she could have got them close. It's unlikely that they would have gotten over the line from where they were at that point. But just, yeah, clever bowling from Australia, but that's what you expect from them. Yeah,
0: Chloe Tron making 25 before Jonathan bowls her, and from that left arm over the wicket line, darting it through, and again, it's Tron moving to the leg side and trying to play across the line and, um, and ending up missing that one. So they fall 19 short. I mean, a significant achievement for South Africa to make a... An ICC tournament final for the first time. Uh, they've had such a long history of bad luck with their men's team in semi-finals. The women's team haven't been able to break through until now, uh, but they have done so. They made that final in front of their home crowd and uh, that felt like a, a special moment.
1: After losing the first game of the tournament as well uh, in the way they did, uh, you thought, you know, this, this is a starter. Can South Africa recover from it? Uh, and New Zealand didn't perform at all, as Jeff said in the last episode as well. And that kind of allowed South Africa to get, onto a, get on a good run, have that momentum. Of course, that famous win against England at the semi-final. Uh, and, and I think it was apt that they played the final. You saw uh, the South African uh, men's rugby captain, World Cup winning captain in there cheering and singing. And everybody was singing. and I, My heart did break for uh, Chloe Tryon. After she got out, she just broke down, and even towards the end, after the game was over, she just couldn't control her emotions. Her eyes were red, and tears rolling down her cheeks.
0: The Hall of Fame, where we pick out a moment that appealed to us during the day. It's brought to you by visitmelbourne.com. If you want to find out more about my hometown and come and visit me there, that's where you go and figure out how to do it. Now, I, look, there's the Wolvart 6 off Georgia Wareham when she comes skipping down the pitch and just just the cleanest swing of the bat and, and lofts it straight down the ground. But it's hard to go past uh, Darcy Brown. Okay. I, I think the ball was from Megan Shoot. It goes, beats the batter through the wicketkeeper's legs, rolling away for four extras. Darcy Brown chases it back and almost overtakes the ball with her feet and then just dives over the boundary line without being anywhere near it and like crashes into the foam padding um, and goes flying. And everybody, I mean, it is a World Cup final, but all of her teammates just ended up cracking up laughing at it because it was, I mean, if she were chasing a different ball, then it would have been the right dive, but she pretty much passed this one on the motorway.
1: In fact, Alicia Haley, I laughed so much, she had to then apologise. I don't know who she said sorry to. She could see her say sorry. Maybe it was to Darcy Brown. But one thing I do remember from watching the Australian women practice in the nets in, on the Gold Coast in 2021 is uh, Darcy Brown is quite a character. She was much younger than she is now. She's still very young. Uh, and you, you just find she brings that energy. The moment she walks into the net, everybody just feels... Um, like there's something funny going to happen. She's clumsy. She knocks into things, uh, and that was pretty clumsy from her. Uh, and look, Australia were well on top at that point, but even if they weren't, I think Meg Lanning and Alicia Healy would have still laughed because it was Darcy Brown and because of uh, yeah her sort of attempt to stop the ball. All
0: right, that's enough from us for a World Cup. Daily, we uh, we just managed to sneak in a couple of these um, towards the end of the tournament. Uh, here is hoping that the timing of these tournaments doesn't keep clashing with the thing with uh, the the other series that we have to be at because we wish we could have been in South Africa to watch this one, it looked like an absolute belter and I know that those who are over there have had a wonderful time covering it so uh, well done to them, well done to the teams involved and everybody who put on the show in South Africa, Uh, we'll be back with you for a test match daily pretty soon, a couple of days for us to set up here in indoor and then uh, we'll be back in the middle for as long as that test match will last, Jeff Lemmon and oh, durations well season reason and i George Benson I ain't protected by the bi fencing in my future question of my current senses that'd be the same we've been doing for centuries sorry if I ran out to empty both this so you know what I meant here. I had to go about it write it out and find-